I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 184 in which I've been remarkably productive. And I'm recording this on Saturday, June 20th, 2015. It's around three o'clock in the afternoon, not that that really matters all that much, but just to give you a sense of being in my life at this very moment. I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to um, those of you who are brand new listeners who might just be checking this out for the first time. Uh, welcome. Thank you to all of you who have been around for a while and have once again shown patience as it's been a few weeks since I was able to record last time. And unfortunately, that's just my new normal. So <laughs> I guess I need to stop apologizing for the fact that there's these delays between recordings and just say this is basically the way it's going to be for, oh, at least the next few years. Um, this weekend, I have really been enjoying seeing the Twitter pictures from our Twilter crew who are all at the meetup in Kansas. That's the one that I had kind of hoped to be with and was not able to in the last minute. I had to make some other decisions. Um, unfortunately, I am really enjoying, however, seeing their meetup pics. It sounds like they're having a great time and boy, there's a bunch of them. So that's been really enjoyable um, being able to sort of be a part of that even though I haven't been there. So thank you all for those of you who are at that meetup for um, tweeting all of your pictures. And as it's only Saturday afternoon and I know all of you are still there, I'm expecting to see some more photos next time I'm on Twitter. I had a very near miss on recording an episode with Jay or actually a couple of episodes. I think we were planning on recording two. Um, unfortunately, the day we were supposed to record, I had a doozy of a time with allergies. And right up until the time we were supposed to record, I kept saying, oh, I can do this, I can do this. And I finally had to say, I can't do this. And I had to um, send her my apologies and I went back to bed for a couple of hours. Um, fortunately, my really bad allergy time is now sort of behind me. I, I mean, I kind of have permanent mild allergies, but there's a couple of times a year when they get really bad and the end of May, early June is one segment of time and then the other one's the end of August. So <laughs> I'm, I'm in a bit of a reprieve right now. Um, so apologies again, Jay, but hopefully we will be able to reschedule that. Um, I think we were talking about trying to reschedule it for sometime in the end of July, but between her travel schedule and mine, it's getting trickier and trickier. I did want to say I've joined the National Quilters Circle, which is an online quilting community. Um, I only joined it for about a month, which means I'm probably getting close to being up already. I think I've been doing it for about three months. I just wanted to test it out to decide if I wanted to pony up for a whole year. Um, the main draw, they do have class videos uh, on their site, a lot of them, and you can get some of them free, but then there's also premium content that you only get if you're a member. And so I decided, you know, that's why I decided to go ahead and try out the membership because the main draw is for me is that um, there's videos from Heather Thomas on design principles. And Heather Thomas is the one that's uh, the writer of the author of the book that my design study group used last year and into this year to a degree we, we kept referring back to it. It's really one of the best books we've had in our group on design. 
um, oh, can't remember the title of it offhand, and it's in my tote bag across the room, uh, but I've talked about it before. It's um, designed for, I can't remember. <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend to remember the title. Um, in any case, it's the one by Heather Thomas. If you just Google Heather Thomas, you'll come up with that book. Uh, so I was really pleased to see that she had a series of videos available on the National Quilter Circle. I will have to say I've watched a couple of the videos. Um, there, It does not come anywhere close to Craftsy in terms of an online learning platform. Um, it's just basically the videos and you just watch the videos. There's no other uh, communication with the teachers through the video platform, no way to take notes, any of that kind of stuff that Craftsy has. Um, what National Quilter Circle does have is it addresses different types of topics than what Craftsy um, does. There's a lot more in the art quilting uh, world, I guess I would say, on National Quilter Circle than there is on Craftsy. Um, that being said, I will have to be more impressed than I currently am to keep up my membership <laughs> at National Quilter Circle. So um, I, I'm just going to keep testing it out through my month. I might see whether I can subscribe maybe just for another month, kind of do a month to month subscription rather than trying to buy a whole year. I don't think that's an option. Um, but I, you know, I have enjoyed the fact that they do have different types of videos. So it's, and like I said, there's a lot that are free. So you may want to go ahead and, and check it out. It's just National Quilters Circle. I can pretty much guarantee, by the way, that I'm not going to get much in the way of, of uh, show notes for this episode up, so I'm not going to be posting links and stuff. I really just have to record the episode, edit the episode, and get it posted. Um, so just Google National Quilters Circle. I believe that's the website, nationalquilterscircle.com, but don't quote me on that. Just Google it. Um, Okay, so most of this episode is really going to be just talking about what I've actually managed to get done because even though I don't feel like I'm spending that much time doing uh, quilty, creative fiber kinds of stuff, I've actually gotten a fair amount done. And most of it's embroidery, to be fair, <laughs> but I have gotten some other things done. I, I guess I had a couple of really good productive days and made up a, for a lot of lost ground. Um, so this episode is really just going to be talking about things I've done and things I've gotten done, which is exciting to be able to talk about things I've gotten done because I haven't had that experience in a little while. Um, anyway, a couple of weeks ago was the uh, Genesee Valley Quilt Club Festival. I believe it was just called Quilt Fest um, that I had talked about on this episode prior to going. I did get to have a meetup with a listener at the Quilt Fest, which was always fun. That's the second time I've gone and second time I've been able to have a, a meetup with a listener. Uh, this was listener Jamie and her daughter Sam, and shout out to both of you, Jamie and Sam. They actually had to drive um, about two, two and a half hours to get to the quilt show. Uh, so they only came down on Saturday itself. Um, we met up right around lunchtime, and then I believe we we spent a little bit of time together and then we sort of separated went our own ways i believe jamie told me later that she left maybe around four in the afternoon four four thirty maybe five um to head back home which i have to especially give her daughter a shout out because that's a long day for a kid <laughs> and sam you done good you did really well um so i got some pictures uh those i will get posted i just realized yesterday i never posted them i really i've been very distracted which i will talk about in a few minutes um, the other fun thing about the Quilt Fest was that my BFF BQF Katie won ribbon, um, won a ribbon, a blue ribbon, and her, it was in one of the categories, she won first place in one of the categories, unfortunately at this point can't remember 
it was one of the pieced categories. Can't remember which category it was, but um, what was kind of cool about it was that her winning quilt actually started out as a homework assignment for our design study group. And I was actually quite impressed um, seeing the show in general. There were several quilts that friends of mine had hung that had started out as homework for design study groups. So um, that was really cool for me to say, oh, wow, I saw that one in progress and here it is finished and hanging and um, getting all sorts of great recognition. So that was a lot of fun and confirmation that our design study group is doing good work. So that was fun, but also congratulations to my BFF BQF Katie. And um, we had a couple of other people from our guild, from my uh, guild in my hometown, who also won ribbons. Um, we had one that won a ribbon for her quilt. Uh, there were two quilts that they had hung, I think only two, maybe three, that this pair had hung. One person who was the quilter, I'm sorry, the piecer, and the other person was then the quilter on her long arm. And so they had hung, I think, three different quilts. And one of them, the piecer won the, the blue ribbon, the other one, the long armor won the blue ribbon, and then the other one didn't win um, ribbons, but they did phenomenal group work. And we had a couple of other members from our guild win ribbons as well. So that was um, fun to see. It was a very joyous next guild meeting when we were all together. At the Quilt Fest, I took the um, class Freedom to Feather from Ami Sims. Uh, I had taken the Ami Sims class in Lancaster on um, the String Star, which is a scrappy quilt, and I had done mine all with African fabric, so I ended up bringing my quilt, because I've finished the tops, I haven't finished the quilt. I brought it with me because I was kind of hoping that I might um, get some ideas from this Freedom to Feather class on feather designs I could use on this quilt, because I think it just lends itself for feathers which I did, but it was nice that um, I hadn't actually taken it out of my bag yet because when we all got into the classroom, we pretty much just sat right down and got to work. So I wasn't able to go up and introduce myself to Ami. Uh, you may remember that I also did a podcast interview with her. So I've certainly talked with her at some length before, um, but didn't have a chance to you know, reintroduce myself at the beginning of class. But then partway through class, as she was wandering ab about talking to the students as we were doing what we were doing, she came over to me and she said, by the way, I think I recognize you. Do I recognize you? <laughs> and so I said, yeah, I was in this other class. Plus I did the podcast. And she's like, oh yeah, that's right. I remember you now. And so I showed her the um, African star is what I call it, which is my string star quilt that I did from her class, all using African fabrics. And she, um, and I brought it primarily because she was really interested in it. As I was working on it in the class in Lancaster, I was the only one using African fabrics and she had never seen this particular design using African fabrics before. So she was really interested to see how it was all gonna work. And part of it is it's not just the print and the design of the fabrics, it's the fabrics themselves. There was a high um, variability rate <laughs> on the hand of the fabric on how loose or tight the weave was. And some of them were dyed, other ones had design printed on them, which made them stiff as a rock. So I was working with a lot of different textures and, and stretchiness versus, um, you know, cardboard, <laughs> basically, um, which raised its own challenges for me. And, but, you know, it looks great. I really love the way it worked up. Um, so she pulled it up and showed it to the class. And then we um, did talk a little bit about different quilting designs briefly, and then we got back to work on the class. Uh, we did draw a lot of feathers, mostly in wreaths. It was really, um, she just kind of had us doing several things of the same thing over and over and over again, which may sound boring, but what she did was have us vary it a little bit each time so we could see how one little change could create a different look. 
And then each of us, um, we were doing all of our sketching on different pieces of paper that were all removed from our notebooks or copy paper, or whatever, so that then she could collect them. And she showed each one. She had her iPhone actually set up as a camera that projected. And so she would put each of our drawings under the, the camera and project them for the whole class to see. Which, of course, you know, takes a little bit of courage <laughs> if you're less confident in your feather drawing. And there was a fairly wide um, variety of experience in the class. There were some people that this was really their first time out of the gate trying to draw feathers. Other people who had obviously done a lot of it because their feathers were nigh on perfect <laughs> in terms of evenness and everything. And you could tell they've been doing this a lot. Um, but even, you know, it wasn't so much that you're getting annoyed at them, but why are you in this class? Because they would then take every design and push it three or four steps further so you could see what the possibilities were and get some fantastic design ideas. So it was really cool. Um, I will say I probably fell somewhere right smack dab in the middle of the class. Uh, there were a couple things that I played with the design a little bit more where I would kind of vary it even more than what she had suggested us varying. And so there were a couple of um, you know, it's always a little gratifying that when years goes under the camera, you hear this collective, ooh, <laughs> and I, I had a couple of oohs in my favor, which was nice, but I also did my um, fair share of ooing other people's stuff. So that was a really good class. And then um, I ended up taking photos of everybody. She asked for a volunteer and I always wait because I always want somebody else to volunteer and nobody else ever volunteers. So I finally did say, okay, I'll do it. And I took a picture of every single drawing that everybody had put up in class and then put them all in an online album and sent them off to her and she sent the link to everybody in the class. I don't think I have the permission to send that link out in general terms. I think it's really just for people in the class, so not going to share the link with you. Um, but do the Freedom to Feather class if you ever have a chance to do it with Ami. For, and I mostly took it because I just really enjoy Ami. She's a very good teacher. She's funny, but she's also serious. Um, you know, she she kind of shows you, I don't want to say the right way to do things, but a good way to do things, a way that you'll be more successful than others. But even at that, you know, she showed one technique kind of for showing, for drawing feathers. Now that I've taken so many feather classes or done feathers so much in all my various free motion quilting classes, I've actually learned several different techniques for drawing feathers, which means now I get to feel which one actually works the best for me and which one feels most comfortable for me. And so I tried hers out, which was a little bit different from other ways I've done it. And it's good for some things, but there's other things I was doing that I found the other techniques that I learned actually a little bit more helpful. So it kind of, you know, it's just you, you learn as much as you can possibly learn because that gives you the more possibility of finding something that really will be successful for you. Um, so that was good, but I really enjoyed the class. Um, I did also purchase some supplies from her. Uh, the first thing she talked about, which immediately grabbed my attention, was uh, mechanical pencils that you don't have to actually push down on to get the lead out. It just automatically drops lead as you use it. Um, I think it's got it must have some sort of pressurized spring or something that just keeps consistently moving that lead out. I don't quite know how it works. Um, they're by Ticonderoga. I think I found them on Amazon. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I bought them from her class. I did later find them on Amazon because I think I tweeted something about them and, and put a link. Um, but it's Ticonderoga, Ticonderoga Mechanical Pencils. If you just look that up, you'll find it. Um, and I actually, it was very good timing that she was talking about these mechanical pencils because just that week I had been once again complaining about the mechanical pencils I've always used, which are, I don't know, Bic or something. You know, one of the ones you get the cheap 12 to a package. Um, at the grocery store 
and the lead is just always breaking on me. I can never get it out just that perfect length so it's far enough out to actually use it, but it's not snapping. I just, I was hating my mechanical pencils. So when she talked about how much she loved these, I was like, yeah, I'm willing to try anything at this point. Um, Ticonderoga Sensimatic, I guess is the actual name of them. Um, and if this matters to you, they are a 0.7 millimeter size. Apparently there's different sizes of mechanical pencils, which I'd never known. I've only ever used a generic mechanical pencil. But when I was talking to some of my guild friends, they're like, oh, now I really need the 0.5 or whatever. I, I don't know, I just use a mechanical pencil. So if you need a different size, these do not come in the other sizes. Just the 0.7. Uh, the other things I bought from her, let's see, I got a compass. Uh, I have an old school metal, you know, school kid compass, which I was struggling with a little bit because it's hard to keep it. Actually, I had it, you know, on paper and everything you do to try to keep that center point where it's supposed to be. Um, mine kept slipping out of whack, partly because, you know, it's old. But <laughs> she had a different, very different style of compass that I'd never seen before. It's actually plastic. And it looks, um, it's the shape of uh, like a teardrop, I guess. It's its a circle at the top and then it comes down to kind of a point at the other end and you put your pencil in one end of the other depending on what kind of circle you're trying to draw or anything like that. Um, couldn't even tell you what the brand name of this is. Again, if I get the time at some point, I will post a link on my blog, but I'm not promising it anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, it's just probably not going to happen. Uh, the other thing I bought from um, Ami Sims is sticky template plastic. And this is template plastic that actually on one side has a, a sticky side to it. Um, so you can actually stick it to like a piece of paper or something. And she demonstrated the whole thing and she said you could even layer two or three layers and it would be even more reusable. It is reusable as it is. Um, but if you layer two or three layers, it almost makes it, you know, as thick as like a very skinny ruler. So you could use it for a long time over time. Uh, but in any case, I'm doing this, uh, doing being a, a rather optimistic word, <laughs> the Ginny Buyer Block of the Month. Haven't touched it in months, um, but I keep intending to finish it. And that is all templates. So I thought, you know, it would be worth trying the sticky template plastic. The template plastic I've been using is very nice. It's a non-slip vinyl plastic, a template plastic that I just bought at Joann's. If you just go to Joann's and you look for no slip or non, or I think it's called no slip vinyl template plastic. I do really like that because it, it doesn't slide. Once you cut the template out of it, it just stays on the fabric right where you need it. It doesn't slip when you're using it. So that's been good. But I thought, you know, the sticky, sticky template plastic is definitely worth checking out as well. Um, in terms of the vendors, I did check out the ProChem booth, ProChemical and Dye. Um, you know it's bad when they recognize you on site, <laughs> and they see you coming, and they hail you. They don't quite call me by name yet, but they do recognize me certainly when I come. Um, but the, honestly, this time I didn't buy that much, partly because I've not been in my dye studio lately, so it's not even in my head what dyes I might actually want or need. So I bought two very small um, they're the two ounce or four ounce, I can't remember, sizes of two new colors um, because myself and one of the vendors got in a conversation about ice dyeing and she pointed out these were her favorite two colors, there are two of them, to use for ice dyeing. And so, you know, I've, as you know, I've been doing a lot of ice dyeing when I have been in my dye studio. So I thought, okay, I'll get those. They weren't that expensive. So I'll just pick up some new colors to play with. Um, so that's really 
kind of all I got. And I think I, oh, I got some, um, some of the salt that you use to make special effects because I tried salt from my kitchen, um, even kosher salt, and I didn't quite get the effect I really wanted. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll buy the stuff that's actually sold by the dye company to see if it does actually work better. It has to do, it's not the fact that one salt versus another chemically is any different. It's all in the size and the shape of the crystal. So, you know, this is definitely a chunkier crystal than any salt that I've got in my cupboard at the time, at this time. So thought that was worth picking up. I also bought some really cool batiking stamps. Um, these are actual wooden stamps from hmm, Polynesia. I don't know where they're from. I'm sorry. Now that I think about it, I don't actually really know where they're from. Um, but they're fairly intricately carved. And there's something I've been drooling over online for the longest time, but I never wanted to pay the shipping. And most of the ones I was seeing online were um, more larger and more expensive. And I just didn't want to pony up for that. This one vendor booth um, was selling clothes, some really cool shirts and things from in scarves from Indonesia. And then she had this little basket off to the side that had some of these batiking stamps in there. And their prices were not bad at all. Plus I'm not paying shipping. So I did pick up, I think three small ones and one slightly larger one. None of them are really big. Um, but I can use them for uh, doing wax batiking when I eventually get all, out all the stuff to do that. Or um, more reasonably, what I'm probably going to end up doing with them is using them like you um, brush resist or yes, either resist or discharge or something on them and use them in your dyed fabrics. Um, or I could use fabric paint on them or whatever, you know, just use them as a regular stamp. Um, so I was pretty pleased and they're, they're kind of neat design. So I was pleased to find those. And then there was the embellishment booth. I literally stopped what I was saying mid-sentence to my friend Katie. <laughs> it was definitely a squirrel moment. We were walking down this one row of vendors and it was actually the very last row we were heading for the door. And, um, you know, I was talking with her about something and I really wasn't looking really at the booths anymore because I had kind of already bought a few more things than I really thought I was going to buy. And um, <clears throat> chatting away with her and all of a sudden I was like, oh, embellishments. And I just <laughs> headed off and she just burst out laughing. She said, that's really kind of unlike you, but okay, <laughs> we'll go with it. It was a great booth. They had all sorts of hand dyed um, threads and um, various types of embroidery th threads, uh, couching threads, all this kind of that sort of thing and beads. Um, they did have fabric. I turned my back to the fabric, didn't even look at that. I was just all about, you know, especially the embroidery threads. And so I picked up several things and some really pretty beads. Nothing, um, well, one set I did have, I, I found a, a collection of beads that were a combination of the two colors in one of the art quilt projects from the classes I took back in March with Tina Somerset. Um, I have one project I got partially done, uh, still needs to be finished, but it's uh, in chartreuse and fuchsia. And I found a collection of beads that are chartreuse and fuchsia. <laughs> I could not resist. So I had not thought I was going to bead that project. Now I'm going to bead that project. So um, at some point when the dust settles and I'm able to return to that kind of stuff, then I will be beating an art project, apparently. Uh, so that was a really cool booth. That was probably the one I enjoyed the most out of all of the um, vendors. So um, on to what I have actually done at home. First of all, yes, I am still doing embroidery. I did get my May journal quilt done. Um, well, 
I think is done is I'm going to finish it. I think I'm going to cut myself slack on this one and not try to completely finish it. I haven't decided yet. Here's the thing. What I did is I used some of my hand painted silk that I had done and I just sort of sketched out very quickly freehand uh, a design on it and then embroidered the design. Um, and I, I very intentionally practiced some different kind of stitches and such on it. It's It looks very nice. The problem is um, that was my first time ever embroidering on silk and I, true to form, never really read up on it <laughs> before I did it to see if there was anything I really needed to think about in doing it. Um, I knew I was gonna have to stabilize it, but I was hooping it and hooping is usually the stabilizing, but really with, with the silk and especially it's a very, very light hand silk. I really probably should have stabilized it more. Certainly I should have stabilized the edges of the silk because um, I did have some fraying. The other problem I had was that um, it's a relatively smallish piece of fabric. It's somewhere in the eight to 10 inch range, maybe a little bit bigger than that. And the hoop, the only hoop I owned when I started the project was really too big. Um, there were several times, and my design went way close to the edges. I mean, I, I learned a lot on this project, mostly about not letting your design go so close to the edges of your actual piece of fabric. Um, so I had some problems just keeping the silk really stabilized while I was embroidering it. So when I got it finished, there is some place where there's, it's not horrible, but there is a little bit of puckering and stitch in the silk. And I, I'm just not really sure how best to finish it to really work well with what the silk is seeming like now. So that's just something I'm, I'm just kind of tabling it very consciously. I'm not sure I'm considering it a UFO because I may mentally decide it's, I've learned what I needed to learn from it, move on. I'll probably keep it somewhere because it, you know, it is handwork. Um, and at some point when I'm dead and gone, my great, great grandchildren might find it and think, oh, wow, grandma wasn't much of an embroiderer, was she? Part of the other problem I had was I did my design in a chalk pencil and by the time I got like a third of the way through the design with the amount of times I'd had to move the hoop around, most of the chalk was gone. So I really couldn't even see what I was supposed to be doing. Um, so a couple of my flowers are pretty wonky. I will post a picture of the finished embroidery on my blog. Um, but it's nothing I'm sitting here crowing about and saying, look what I did. You know, it's I learned. I learned a lot. I am pleased with what I learned from it, but it's not a project that I feel the need to really preserve <laughs> in any sort of way. Um, but I did, I enjoyed working on it. Um, then after I got done with that, I started doing a piece of Cruel embroidery, C-R-E-W-E-L. And for some reason, I am just loving it. I don't quite know why it grabs me so much. It's it's still, it's just embroidery. There's nothing different about cruel embroidery from traditional embroidery. The only difference is you're using uh, wool thread, cruel wool embroidery thread, which is basically yarn, really. Um, and it, it's a particular weight of yarn. If I wanted to go out and buy a skein of yarn and use that as embroidery thread, I could certainly do that. I don't remember what the weight that they said. Not being a knitter, these things are meaningless to me. Um, but I don't want a whole skein of a particular color, so I'm just buying the Cruel Wool Embroidery Thread. And I went over to a, a LQS on the other side of town. Um, actually, it wasn't the LQS, I'm sorry. There is a plaza, a shopping plaza, a smallish plaza, in a suburb on the other side of town, 
that is sort of like a fiber, fiber artist's mecca. There is a very nice, one of the better quilt shops in the area is in that plaza. Then there is a needle arts store. There is a beading store. There is a weaving, um, the Weaver's Guild classroom space. And then there's right across the street, there's a yarn and fiber shop. So it's all right there, <laughs> which is great. Um, so I was in the needle arts th store over there and I did buy some cruel wool. They, they don't have the, um, oh, it's Appleford, Appleton, Apple something, Applewood is kind of the big name in cruel embroidery. It's supposed to be the Cadillac of, I don't even know if you can use that phrase anymore because Cadillacs really aren't all that. It's the Porsche of, <laughs> of, um, of cruel wool, I guess, is this stuff, but it's from England and it's a little bit pricey, so they don't carry much of it in stock. They will special order it for you, but since I was just getting into cruel, I decided, you know, I'm not ready to kind of for that level of commitment. So they did have some other cruel wool there that's just um, less expensive. I guess that means it's probably slightly lower quality, but I don't know. You know, this is the only stuff I've ever touched, so it felt fine to me. Um, so I picked up several different colors and she was very helpful in helping me because I didn't have a particular project in mind and she said, well, the main thing to think in terms of cruel, it's a, it's all about the shading. So whatever color you want, you want to get several um, values within that color. And that was very helpful um, knowledge. And you can do cruel without having the shading, but it really does, it gives it an extra level of dimension. It's really fun if you can get into the shading. I've just done a little bit of it. Um, it's the way you have one color merge into the next that kind of helps it visually blend more, uh, which is pretty cool. So I've been kind of poking away. That's sort of my June um, journal quote, but there's no way it's getting done in June. So <laughs> that's just kind of my between other projects. I work on that one. Um, I've tweeted a couple of pictures of it. Apparently I have a bit of a knack for cruel because it's working beautifully. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever just sort of started something for the first time and had it turned out exactly like I thought it was supposed to look. I mean, it, it really goes well. I mean, it is just embroidery. So it's not like I'm coming at cruel, never having embroidered before. So I've, I've already practiced the stitches you use. The, the key to cruel is one, knowing how to blend colors if you're gonna do that. Mostly I'm just doing solid colors. But it's also really knowing how to space your stitches so you get just the right amount of fill that you're really looking for. And that's kind of what I seem to have developed a bit of an eye for. We'll see, I'm still new at it. Still sorts all sorts of chances to go horribly awry, but right now it's going pretty well, so I'm enjoying it. Um, I did also, I found out when my brother-in-law and sister-in-law-to-be, their wedding shower will actually be when I'm in town. I am really thrilled. I mean, there's so many times I'm out of town that I thought the chances of them choosing a, a weekend that I'm actually around are slim to none. So I'd already sort of written off the fact that I'd be able to be at her bridal shower. But as it turns out, I will be able to be. It's at the end of July. And so I decided a little bit on the spur of the moment, the next day after... I found out when the date of their shower was gonna be. I thought, you know what? I wanna do an embroidery wall hanging for them. And so I played around with some clip art because I don't draw very well. I can do certain shapes pretty well, <laughs> but other ones are a little bit beyond me. So um, I played around with some clip art and kind of took little pieces of one and parts of another and then sort of I printed them off on my computer to the size I wanted them and then I sort of went from there and adapted them a little bit. So there's, you know, one of the clip art pieces you'd probably be able to kind of recognize as the original clip art, although I've modified it a bit. 
um, but then I inserted other pieces and then inserted another font and this other concept here. So it really, it's very much my own creation. Um, and then I went back over to that needle art store and talked, um, cause I wanted to find out actually, again, this time I was thinking ahead, so rare for me. Um, I decided I'm just gonna frame this thing rather than trying to figure out how to finish it off as a wall quilt as I normally would do. I'm gonna take it more from the approach of traditional embroiderer, uh, embroidering and have it framed for them. And so I went to the needle art store that does custom framing as well. And so I thought I better find out how long they need <laughs> to have the project to frame it so that I can set my mental deadline accordingly. And while I was there, um, also discovered that they sell fabrics to use for embroidery, which for some reason had never crossed my mind. And I ended up buying this gorgeous fabric. It's um, actually flax. It's a woven flax. It's just got a great hand to it. It's exactly the shade of sort of, I didn't want a white background. I wanted something that was a little bit off-white. Um, I wanted it to look kind of sophisticated primitive, sort of, if that's a term. Um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law-to-be are starting their own business. It's a catering company. Um, it's all about local, organic, uh, sort of old-school foods. And so I thought, you know, I want something that will have that same vibe to it, that'll feel kind of organic and natural and yet still a little bit elevated, <laughs> to use a food a cooking show term. Um, and this, this fabric is just gorgeous. And so that was cool. And she started, the woman who was selling it to me said, well, I don't know, it's pretty expensive. And so I said, you know, I'm thinking dozens of dollars, you know, and turns out when you add it up by inch, I think I paid $13 for this piece of fabric. And for somebody who's used to buying cotton yardage, that was like, yeah, I can do that. Now it's not a yard of fabric. So yes, it is more expensive than regular fabric, but the total amount was still in my head as an acceptable amount to spend on fabric, um, especially for a wedding gift. So I've gotten it all traced up and it's now on the fabric. The design is on the fabric. I used a water soluble pen. First time I've used this particular, um, that I've used a water soluble pen and it worked great. Um, I'm just hoping it doesn't fade over time because this is now my travel project for the next couple of weeks. I wanted to get it all prepped so that I could take it with me on my work trip next week. And then I'm home for like three days after my work trip. And then my husband and I go on vacation right away. So I've got two back-to-back -back trips and I really wanted to have this with me that whole time because my thought is it shouldn't take me all that long actually to embroider. I'm mostly doing a, a simple outside, outline stitch, probably either back stitch, maybe stem stitch, haven't decided which, to outline everything. I may do some, there's leaves, there's a tree involved and there's leaves and so I might do something on the leaves um, like a I don't know, feather stitch or fly stitch or something. And, you know, I want to keep it simple, but I might decide it's too simple and then throw in some complicating factors <laughs> as I go. But even so, I should still be able to get it done so that it's ready to take over to the shop to get it framed by the time I'm home from that second trip. That's sort of my goal. Um, so I've been doing a lot of the embroidery stuff. It is so nice to finally have something I can work on relatively easily while I travel. I've never been in that position. I've never done hand applique or anything that I could easily pack up and bring with me. So it's really, really nice to have something that's so very portable. <laughs> I really appreciate that.
Um, and I've picked up several embroidery books over the last few weeks, so I will at some point kind of be talking about those on another podcast episode. I just couldn't pull it together enough to do it today. Um, one thing I did test out that I did want to let you know about, I had read an um, article, I think in the uh, Quilting Arts magazine, maybe? Jackie, let me know if that's right, because <laughs> we think Jackie read the same article. Uh, it's the free motion couching foot for Janome's. I have another couching foot that's sort of a generic couching foot that you, you know, it's one of these feet that will fit a variety of machines as long as you get the correct height of shank. Um, and that one's called the pearls and beads piping or piping pearls and beads or something like that. Um, it's kind of a clear plastic thing. And I've used that a couple times, but it's hard to do free motion with it because it's really not made to do curves easily. You can do them, but you got to do them really slowly and they have to be fairly wide curves. Um, this one, the person in the, the article that or that was writing the article about it had examples of work she'd done and it was very, very tight spirals. So I thought, you know, that could be kind of fun to work with that. So spur of the moment, I went ahead and ordered it because that's something I've actually been thinking about doing. And so it was nice to see that there was a foot that would allow me to do this. And so I did test it out. I haven't actually used it on a project, but I did a fair amount of testing. And this is something I'll probably post on my blog again at some point, not this weekend, <laughs> um, that I'll show the pictures that I took of while I was using this thing. I would give it maybe a six out of 10, maybe a seven out of 10. I, I think there's just some difficulties inherent in the nature of what it's trying to do, that it would make it very difficult for any foot to do it perfectly. So I don't think it's a, a fault in the design of this particular foot. I think it's the idea of trying to have something that will allow you to free motion fully while couching at the same time. There's just some physics involved or geometry or I, I don't know what it is that would kind of stand in the way. Um, I did find it pretty much worked, pretty much worked. If you go very, very, very slowly, if you keep the thread that you're couching extremely loose, you need to really kind of pull it off. If you're using like yarn, pull it off of the skein, um, cording or whatever, pull it behind the foot. It really, if it has to pull it at all, it gets it all off. So you really want it as, as, as loose as possible before it goes through the foot. Um, the couching foot definitely very consistently did not like moving left to right. Whenever I was in the left to right portion of any sort of move, it would miss the yarn. And that's where I'm thinking that may just be a physics thing because you're actually pulling the foot and the yarn kind of opposite to each other. So how would you make that so it would actually work? I mean, that was something I did. It was always that same part. Like when I was doing spirals, it was always exactly the same part of the spiral that it really struggled to go through. Um, now, that being said, I, I did not spend a tremendous amount of time testing this. This was maybe a 20 minute venture one evening. Um, it could be that if you moved the pool of couching thread around into a different place or whatever, maybe you could counterbalance that. Um, that being said, on oh, the other thing, I was using a regular yarn. I just used a scrappy yarn that one of my knitter friends had sent me. And because I periodically say, hey, you got any weird yarn <laughs> that you're done using? And so she'll send me the yarn ends of whatever weird yarn she had just worked with. Um, so this is kind of an, a standard yarn. And the couching foot actually sort of shredded it a little bit because as it's doing the zigzag, 
the zigzag has to only be a certain size given the size of the hole in the foot and not all yarns obviously will fit in that you get two different size feet foots <laughs> with in the package ones for slightly larger yarns and ones for slightly smaller yarns but this this yarn was definitely kind of bigger than what that larger one wanted to use so it kind of kept splitting my plies on that particular yarn so that's another qualifying statement for this free motion couching foot it would work better with certain types of fibers than with others um, now with when it was splitting my yarn I actually decided you know actually that's not a bad look because um, it, it gives it even more texture because it kind of makes it poofier as it's sewing it um, so you would you know it's a matter of just knowing what results you're going to get and making the appropriate choices for those results I guess is what it comes down to so again my review is that it's a 6 out of 10 maybe a 7 out of 10 if I spent more time practicing with it which actually if you think about something like that that ain't bad because 7 out of 10 is better than what I had before which was trying to do it kind of manually which is always iffy too so <laughs> I think you know it depends if you're expecting this thing to work like a dream and do everything you want it to do exactly then you're not going to be happy but if you're willing to say you know what this is pretty cool for what it does do um, and as long as I'm aware of certain uh, issues with it I can maybe plan ahead for those issues or work around those issues whatever um, you know it is it's a foot I could see myself using so that's kind of my review of that one and you can find all sorts of YouTube videos if you just look for free motion couching foot Janome you will find all sorts of um, YouTube videos of other people doing more thorough reviews and, and showing you it actually in action um, I cannot tell you if there's a free motion couching foot for Bernina I don't have a Bernina I only pay attention to Janome so can't tell you that um, so probably the biggest news this might be called burying your lead <laughs> because the biggest news given my past several months worth of podcast episodes is that I did finally finish the Annie Unrine everything in its place bag I got it done last weekend um it feels good to have it done mostly because now I can stop complaining about it can I say that I feel any sort of great sense of accomplishment wow I persevered and I got it done uh, <laughs> I guess to a degree I can I can look at it and say yeah I made that great but when I'm looking at it I'm also saying yeah I made that and boy did I screw up that corner and that thing didn't work really well you know you only see the parts that you're not as pleased with the way they turned out um, when you glance at it from a galloping horse it looks great it is certainly functional it is a very functional bag um, I just posted a blog post today with the finish announcement and um, included using my Stellar app I made a Stellar storybook about the making of this thing with several steps in progress and then a bunch of photos of the int of the completed bag and the inside pages and what I've got them filled with and everything um, I don't know that that's only the first of the two bags in the class the second one is a hanging cosmetics bag uh, I kind of went back and forth a little bit about jumping right in and tackling that cosmetics bag right off the bat so I could just get the whole darn class done mostly and also figuring that the cosmetics bag was going to build on certain things I'd already done in the first bag um, and maybe only add two or three new steps you know new things I'd have to figure out how to do and so you know when you're in that position it's kind of always better to do it like immediately <laughs> before you've forgotten everything you learned um, 
But on the other hand, I've got all these other projects that had taken such a back burner while I was trying to finish that thing that I really decided I, I need to just step away from it and get some other stuff done, and then I can go back to it. Um, I, don't, I don't know when I'll get back to it. I do, I do think I want to do that other bag, not because I'm really hankering to do another bag. Nothing has changed in my attitude towards making bags. I will say that. It is still nothing I enjoy. I will say, however, after manhandling my way through this one, Going back and doing one of those stinking little zipper pouches will feel like a cakewalk. <laughs> this, this was something else. So I guess I can say that much, is that it has now raised my level of um, tolerance for fiddly bits because this one was the mother of all fiddly bits. Um, and I, I have actually thought about making some more of those zipper pouches because I've got a bunch of fat quarters and scraps and things that would make great little bags. And there's really very little else I can do with them since I'm not making big quilts anymore and can use them for scraps. So I may do that again, no time soon. Um, so when I got that done, oh, and by the way, that's holding my cruel embroidery threads right now. It's actually too big for me to use as a traveling embroidery project bag uh, when I'm flying. I could use it if I was in my car, but if when I'm flying, it's too big. It's just too big to either use I'd, it, it would be my carry-on <laughs> if, if I took it on a plane. Um, so it's great also for storage at home. And like I said, for car travel, not good for a plane. So I did end up, one of my listeners somewhere along the way, sorry, don't know where your comments are, um, had suggested using a, a cosmetics bag from like Target or something. And so I did go out to, uh, to Target and I did find a cosmetics bag that's going to be great for travel embroidery. It folds kind of flatter. It's not made for toiletries. It's made for, you know, flat makeup and brushes and stuff. And it's got all sorts of good pockets in it. So I bought that and that's the bag I'm gonna be taking with me on these two trips with my, um, the wedding project in it. And it, it fits that perfectly. It's even the, the back pocket of the cosmetics bag is just the right size to even hold the hoop for, that I'm using on this embroidery project. So that's beautiful. Um, whoever of you did suggest that, thank you. And if I were to go into my comments right now, I would find that comment, <laughs> but I don't have them open. So I can't remember which one of you was that said that. Um, the other thing I just decided on a whim to throw together this week, uh, I have, um, I had gotten a new iPad for Mother's Day. And with the new iPad, I had to get a new stylus because strangely enough, my old stylus no longer worked on the new iPad. Go figure, it's a thing. Um, I had to actually do research around why my old stylus was <laughs> working on my new iPad, and it turns out the new iPads need a different type of stylus. And so I had bought a stylus for the new iPad, and this was not a cheap stylus. My old iPad, I was able to get, you know, packages of like three for 10 bucks or something. This new one, the stylus is about 20, 25 dollars in and of its own. And so I don't want to lose this one, <laughs> and it's got this funky little tip on it that um, it does have a screw top that you can put over the tip when you're traveling, so it's more like a, a pen. But I really wanted to have some way to keep track of this stylus with my iPad a little more closely. And so I thought, you know, it would be nice to have is an iPad case that actually had a pocket for a stylus on it. And so I spent a little time on Etsy looking up already made bags, because I've talked about how little I like bags, making bags. Have you gotten that impression? Um, and I just, I wasn't finding anything I wanted that wasn't horrifically expensive. Plus, 
I really, you know, I've got this trip coming up. I really wanted something on this trip. And so finally I went on Pinterest and I was like, okay, it can't be all that hard to make an iPad bag. Maybe I can find a pattern, you know, that I could do pretty quickly. And as I was going through Pinterest, all of a sudden it struck me, you know, I was looking at some of these designs and I was thinking, well, yeah, the designs are fairly simple, but when you do them out of cloth, then you've got linings and you've got all this. All of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, I have a boatload of felted wool in my house. Maybe I could just make one out of felted wool and I could keep it really simple. And then I could do embroidery on it. I wouldn't really have to worry about seams because, you know, I mean, nothing frays on felted wool. So sure enough, I spent one night, I took my a big piece of felted wool I have. I laid my iPad in the middle of it. I drew some lines, figured out what it would take to fold it over, make a flap, <laughs> stitched my seams. Um, used, I have one of those uh, wavy edged rotary cutter blades, used one of those on the sides, sewed a piece of Velcro onto the top flap, and then I used other felted wool scraps to make a small stylus um, pocket, kind of inside a wider pocket to hold the extra tips for the stylus, which is a whole other level of complexity to this new stylus. Um, and it was done within less than an hour. Uh, then I did some embroidery on it in the future. <laughs> it's easier to do the embroidery first before sewing the th things together. I kind of knew that when I was doing it, but I just decided, you know, to to just go with it while I was in the mood um, and just threw things together. Now, the only thing I really need to do more, and I just, I don't have the time right now to figure it out. I would really rather have a flap on the stylus pocket to really hold that stylus in when it's in the pocket. Right now, I just kind of clip the stylus to it and it doesn't hold it really tightly. Um, so if it you know, gets knocked around, the stylus would go flying out of the pocket. So that's one thing I do need to fix if I want to use this long term. And I also need some way to close the other pocket, which I'm thinking, again, I'll just do through Velcro, but I don't have enough left in the house. I'd have to actually make a trip to go buy some Velcro and sew the stuff on. Um, and the other thing I discovered is that most sewing machines have part of the um, base of it you can pull off so you can do cuffs and things, you know, so you, the presser foot is on a much narrower part. My sewing machine doesn't have that because, you know, it's a quilter's machine. They don't, don't expect you to be doing curvy things on there. So once I had this thing put together, once I then decided, you know, I really need to put Velcro on this belatedly, I can't just slide my pocket over Actually, now I probably could. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the sewing machine and for the piece that I need to do, it might actually be wide enough that I could put it over the base. Um, but you know, these are things really need to be figured out before you actually do it. Still, I like the way it turned out. <laughs> and if I'm not overly worried about functionality, it works really well. Um, the embroidery, I kept the embroidery fairly minimal, just sort of an accent. And then my daughter actually made the suggestion, I was trying to decide what to do on the flap to cover up the little square where I'd sewn the piece of Velcro on there. And um, I have, I don't even know where I got these. I have a package of felt, um, really kind of very thin, stiff felt um, flowers that are cut with buttonholes in the middle. So they're made to kind of go over buttons. Like I said, I have no idea where I got these things from or for what project, but they've never been opened. And so I did take one of those out and sewed it, um, hand stitched it into where the Velcro is, which only worked marginally well because the Velcro itself was one, hard to hand stitch through, and secondly, shredding the yarn I was using to stitch it. So I don't know how well that flower will stay on the top of it, but I'm not sweating it. Um, 
that's the nice thing about a project like this that took me all of about maybe an hour and a half grand total to do very spur of the moment it's sort of like you know if it even lasts me the summer i'll be happy <laughs> that'll be good so that was kind of fun i will post a picture of that um, i already tweeted pictures of it but i will post one on my blog at some point so um, the only other update is in my uh, scholastic end of things that I did get my syllabus for my uh, Doctor of Ministry Studies program. Again, my first actual on-site coursework residency is in August. I leave August 4th for that. And we got the syllabus uh, last Monday for that August residency. And I was expecting to have a lot of reading I needed to get done by August. What I wasn't expecting is I was also going to have to have two papers done <laughs> by then. It's very short. Um, these are short papers because they're meant more to be fodder for class discussion. So I have to have a case study written and I have to have a book review um, presentation because that one, we not only write the review, but then we also do a presentation on the book. So the syllabus, there are some specific assigned readings uh, that will actually be addressed in class. Um, the rest of the books on the list were more elective. So there's certain books we have to read, and then there's this whole list of books from which we can choose to read. Um, one, to choose which book we want to do that book reflection on. And um, two, because our first major paper is due within a couple of weeks of that coursework. Um, this this August residency is really our first semester in some regards. Um, and so I have a, a paper due, uh, I think it's like a 20-page paper due the first day after Labor Day, the Tuesday after Labor Day. And all of these, you know, these books are all possibilities for being cited in that paper. So although none of the rest of the books are assigned reading, the assumption is you're going to be reading some of them. So I went through and chose a whole bunch of books that were related to what I really want to focus on, as well as related to things going on in our organization right now. And I've already gotten the first two, well, I've gotten the first one read, the second one I'm almost done reading. Um, I prioritized them, one, the first book I already owned, so that was, it was actually a book of the Bible, it was the book of Acts. I had that one. <laughs> I got that one read while I was waiting for the other ones to come. Uh, not the first time I've read the book of Acts of all the books in the Bible. Easiest one to read and has some great stories in it. Uh, but in any case, so read that one first. And then as I got the delivery of all the rest of my books, one of the books that I chose is one that is actually um, the book or part of a series of books. I guess there's actually three books on this particular topic and style that our whole denomination has been doing this whole process over the last few years based on this book or the series of books and my organization as part of the domination has been really working on it particularly in the last year and so I decided you know it wouldn't be a bad idea for me to actually read the book and um, decided I really wanted to have the book read before I left town on Monday partly because it's a honking big hardcover book and I didn't want to have to put it in my carry-on and secondly because it is directly related to stuff we're doing as an organization um, on Monday, we start our national board meetings. Every summer, we have board meetings with our organization board members. And so it'll be great for me to now have this book, the knowledge from this book, in my back pocket as we go into those board meetings. Um, and the board meetings will also provide the fodder for the case study <laughs> I have to write. So everything's kind of a lot is going on this next week um, in my head. <laughs> in terms of my doctoral studies, which, you know, works out really nicely. But that means um, over the next several weeks, 
I have a lot of reading to do and I've got a couple of papers to prepare. So um, this it, podcasts are going to start being few and far between. I'm thinking I'm going to try to keep myself on a once a month schedule. Um, it always makes me nervous to say that though, because then if I miss a month, then it's going two months. Whereas when I say I'm on a weekly schedule, if I miss a week, I might go two or three weeks, but I still get something within because I always have in my head, it's going to be a weekly schedule. So I haven't quite fully mentally reconciled a new podcasting schedule. I do know my blogging is going to have to take a back seat. Um, I will continue to try to blog at least once a week. Uh, Certainly if I get anything done, I'll blog about it. Um, I will blog my CSA Tuesdays because that is an ongoing thing and it doesn't usually take me all that long to write those posts. Um, But other ones that take a little more depth (laughs) probably won't happen as often. Um, I want to say thank you to uh, Jackie Kay for your comment about, um, oh, this is about fabric scraps. I'm not sure what which one this is in relation to, but she just wanted me to know that there are places that'll take um, blocks. I think this must be on one of my UFO blogs. It doesn't, uh, the email came through as a separate email. Um, but she talks about there are places that'll take blocks and scraps as donations, unfinished, you know, like orphan blocks and that kind of thing. Um, and she mentioned a couple of places local. Uh, so Jackie's one of my homegirls. Uh, but there are quilt guilds that often will take them. There are possibly... Um, there might be like shops that are consignment stores for craft parts, um, that sort of thing. Um, so if you Google fabric scraps, donations or something like that, uh, Jackie says, you'll probably find a lot of ideas. And she says, um, you can probably imagine how liberating it was for me to go through my color coded boxes of tons of fabric and be able to donate all the little strips, squares, scraps, etc., for pet beds, which she has done. Um, for one of our local SPCA shelters. And she says she's still doing it since she's sewing every day and every little anything goes into the bag for that purpose. I know um, there's a woman at our quilt guild, when she goes on quilt retreats, she'll have a pillowcase taped to the side of her sewing table and anybody who's got scraps they're done with, they just throw them in that um, pillowcase. And eventually when she gets enough, she just sews up the pillowcase and it makes a pet bed for the shelter. Uh, So that's a great idea. Thank you, Jackie, for your email. Thank you to Linda, who commented on my CSA Tuesday week one, and she says she really wishes she had CSAs where she lives. She has uh, bought in the past a variety box where they send you seasonal vegetables and have and ship them to your house. And she said she's really like likes getting food like that because it supports so many farmers out there and it's not just from the store. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm really enjoying my CSA and this week I actually got the amount that I was allotted to get, not twice the amount I was allotted to get. You have to read the blog to see that backstory. Um, so it makes a lot more sense. Thank you to Ms. Lottie for your email on the same blog post who talked about stewed rhubarb on muesli with yogurt for breakfast. Um, and I can tell from the way she spells yogurt and the fact that she used the word muesli. She's not from the United States, but we know Lottie well. She's our New Zealand friend living on a boat. Um, but she also says she could, you can stew, stew rhubarb and strawberries together and throw those on the muesli. Um, and she says she's never eaten kohlrabi. Would like to try it one day. I really did. I liked the kohlrabi. And in fact, I'm probably making the other two kohlrabi I still have in the fridge for dinner tonight. Quilt and Jenny left a comment on episode 183 um, that she says the fabric embellishing book looks tempting. It is a really, really good book. <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm kind of saving up books. I'll do a book review episode, maybe next episode. 
And she says she can't remember a single other comment that was on her brain while she was listening, <laughs> but she enjoyed the episode. I have the same problem. When you listen to podcasts in the car and you can't write down comments immediately, they tend to be gone. Uh, thank you to Stu, who also left a comment on the same episode, who said it was great to hear me again. Thank you, Stu. Um, thanks to Jane, who um, gave me, who commiserated with me on the knee issue I've been having. I graduated from physical therapy this week, by the way, which only means insurance stopped paying for it. My knee is doing worlds better than it was. It's just now up to me to keep on my um, PT exercises on a regular basis. But Jane tells her story where she ended up not only doing lots of physical therapy, um, but also did steroid shots that cured it within a couple of days. Um, so that may be, you know, if this is something that continues to flare up, no matter how good I am about my uh, PT exercises and everything, I might go for that. But really in my case and my particular knee issue, I know it mostly has to do with exercise and really losing weight, gotta do it. Um, thank you for the comment from Beverly, who also said, I'm glad you're doing better with your knee and gave me props. She said, I will conquer this setback. And I know I will, Beverly, thank you. Uh, thank you to Karen, who also hopes my knee gets better. Um, she says, thought of you this week when I received the Craftsy email saying they now have new features. I like that you can now archive a class and move the order. Um, I wish they would also allow this, us to put them in folders, but it's a start in the right direction. And I agree, Karen, I do like the fact that you can archive a class. I do not like, however, in the last update of the app, they removed the ability to post class projects from the app. And when I emailed them to say, hey, I'm not seeing where you can do that anymore, they said, oh no, we took that off. I'm like, no, you need to put it back on. <laughs> and they said they will um, put that, you know, send that message back to their uh, update people that they need to really put, you used to be able to post projects from the app and for whatever reason they decided with the new one, they weren't gonna do it and I don't like that. Um, thank you to Carrie for your comment on one of my Fight the Funk Friday posts, who also said, hope she, the knee is feeling better. And she says she also is powerless to resist Oreos, so she feels my pain. Fortunately, no more Oreos in the house. Now, my husband just keeps buying potato chips. If it's not one thing, it's another. Um, thank you to Jennifer, who, um, on my May Craftsy Class update, who said the, the everything in its place bag does look pretty involved. She says, I highly recommend the Lazy Girl Patterns for relatively quick purses. She writes instructions well and has lots of pictures too. But she says, but don't trust me, I love to make bags. <laughs> so I appreciated your your openness and vulnerability with me, Jennifer, and, and your honesty in saying that you're probably not one that I should listen to. Um, I do, I think I actually own a Lazy Girl pattern for a bag that I've never made, but um, I've, I've seen their patterns and I know they have nice patterns, so. Maybe now that I've made it through the behemoth of bags, I will go back <laughs> to some of those simpler designs. Thank you to Diane for her comment on Monday Musings, UFO Sightings Part 3. She um, said she's taking her stack of UFO index cards with her to a doctor's visit to work on while her husband has tests. Um, and she says, by the way, I did trash a workshop UFO a few months ago. It felt wonderful. So thank you for that comment, Diane. Thank you to Pauline, who also gave herself permission to eliminate two applique blocks of the month from her list. Uh, the fabrics from them are now in the stash, she says, and I don't have the guilt from not working on them off my shoulders. At the time I signed up for them, I really did like them, but three or four, laters, three or four years later, they are no longer making my heart beat fast. So congratulations, Pauline, on releasing yourself from at least that little bit of stress. Um, thank you also to Tracy for her comment on the same blog post. She says, I'm going to write down your list of questions and hang it on my UFO stack. 
the pile is decreasing, the concept of do I need to finish the story as it pertains to class and workshop quiltlets is something I need to explore further. Um, I don't feel as guilty throwing away fabric since I found out my recycling company takes fabric scraps. So glad to know, Tracy, that I'm helping you sort through what you are still feeling responsible for finishing. Thank you to Shelley, who also posted on the same blog post that she says she likes the step of writing down the next step on every UFO um, because it gives her focus. So good, Shelley. I'm glad to know that I was able to encourage you in that way. Um, thank you to my one of my other BFF BQF um, up here in my hometown from Lori uh, said yes. Uh, also the same blog post. Lots of UFOs need to be assessed over here. She said one of her UFOs from like two years ago just beckoned her to finish it and she did and it was so much fun. Um, she says, I thought, why did I ever put this away? Probably something shiny caught my eye at the time and I was off and running. Happens to the best of us. Um, thank you to Jane for her comment on one of the other UFO sightings, part four, where to start. Um, she says, here's what worked for me. I had three UFOs that had been calling to me for a while, but also three projects in progress. I spent one afternoon assessing progress on each UFO and determining the next step, i.e. next blocks to be cut, borders to be applied, etc., and found a way to sneak that sewing in between steps on my current project, kind of like a round robin game. Um, she said, I hated changing thread and winding bobbins also, but I'm gradually making progress on all six projects. And she gives a little more detail in that comment. If you want to read about her system, go back and read uh, on my Monday Musings UFO Sightings Part 4, which was somewhere around the beginning of June when I posted that. Um, Where to Start is the name of the blog post. And she has a, a longer comment about how she organizes herself, which was very helpful to you. So thank you for that comment. Thank you to Gay on the same blog post who says, um, my problem has been the free motion quilting. I have tops all done, but long, but still lack the skills to do the kind of finish work I want. So I'm building sample sandwiches to practice on and have added that step as part of my USO, UFO progress. So, um, which was part of my suggestion is if you have to learn something new, add that as your next stop, this step to learn that. So it doesn't just get put on the back burner. Thank you to Connie Maud for her comment on the same blog post that she says, um, she's also working away on her UFO list, and she says, I finally realized that I don't have to have a huge block of time set aside to get a project done. Imagine that. All I need to do is sneak away to my quilt room for a short period and quilt on my project for 15 or 20 minutes at a time, sometimes less, and before long I'm well on the way to completing a project. Um, and she also talked about her Wonderlist app, W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T, and so I checked out Wonderlist. Um, it's another app for task lists, and what I liked about it is it actually has a PC element, or Mac, so you could do it on your computer as well as your mobile devices, which is something that Life Topics does not have. They don't have the PC version, so I've got it on my mobiles, but I, I can't sit at my computer and do stuff, and sometimes I like the big screen if I'm doing kind of big picture organizing. However, Wonderlist is only a task list, and Life Topics also connects my calendar and some other things in it, so I'm sticking with Life Topics. But if you're looking for just a task list um, that will sync to your digital devices as well as your computer, do check out Wonderlist. Again, that's W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T. So thank you, Connie Maud, for your comment. And another comment from Diane. Um, Diane was really going through this UFO <laughs> thing with me as I was posting those Monday Musings. So it was fun to read her comments on every blog and see where she was in her process. Um, thank you to Amber 
who also posted on the on one of the UFO um, sightings blog posts, and she says she's lucky to only have a couple of UFOs, although I haven't really dug into my closet yet, she said, and so I told her she needed to dig into her closet. Thank you to Carol, who also posted on the UFO sightings, and she said, I won't use the language she used. She says, I'll bet if you get that bleep bag done, the rest will be cake. Just imagine the relief, the weight lifted when it is done, finished, complete, checked off. You can do this. And it is true. I, I do feel relief. <laughs> if nothing else, I feel relief that it's done. Um, thank you to Marianne, who also posted on the same blog post, and she also has been making her UFO lists. Um, she says, to be honest, I didn't drag everything out of the closet and go through all the UFOs. I still think you need to do that, Marianne. <laughs> I would still encourage you to make sure you drag them all out and get them all on your list. Um, thank you to Mary Lou, who also says she's not one to write often, but she does read my post and listen to my podcast. So all I can say is comment more. And thank you for your very kind words. I really appreciated them. Oh, and another post from Marianne. Um, and she is also, oh no, I'm sorry. That's just the same one twice. Um, thank you to Maureen, who posted on my very first UFO sightings, and she says uh, she hopes one of my big finishes is the Jacob's Ladder uh, wedding quilt. She's eager to see the finished product. That has to get done by really the middle of August, and given that I'm done, I'm gone for a couple of weeks in August, that's going to be my big July project when I get home from vacation. I'm going to really be focusing on that quilt, so um, stay tuned. It'll be happening. Uh, another post for Diane. Let's see, another one from Beverly. And from Jamie, uh, who commented on one of my progress and goals, who said she's glad to hear I made it through one of the bags. <laughs> and I am too. Uh, thank you to Jennifer for her comment and to Kate on her uh, comment. Kate from Quilting Daydreams. It is so good to be hearing from you again, Kate. We have missed you. Kate used to have a podcast. We hope she might get back to it someday, but she's got little ones, so we understand. Um, and she says she admires me for pushing, pushing through the bag. She finds that when she doesn't like doing something, she just stops doing it. Um, I find sometimes I often do that where I'll stop doing it, but sometimes I just get ornery <laughs> and I decide I'm going to get over myself and I'm going to finish it. So when the ornery kicks in, I may not enjoy the process. As you know, I didn't, but I will finish it. Um, thank you to Myrna, who, um, I'm sorry, I pronounced that in a very particular way because of another Myrna I know. Is it Myrna? Is it Myrna? Myrna? However you pronounce your name. Uh, thank you to your blog post, uh, who was commenting on one of my pictures of the canal as I took the canal walk. She says, I thought that the canal would be much larger. One of these days, I'd like to see that big bit of history in person. It's the Erie Canal is what she's talking about, which is what I live near. Um, I think it's generally pretty much always the same width. There might be places where it's wider than others, but I think it's for the most part always about the same width all the way through. And if you think about it, when the canals first opened, people kind of walked along them with the donkey to pull the barges, so they couldn't be too, too wide. Um, but I love my canal. Uh, thank you to Jackie. <laughs> this was before I finished the bag. She says, I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but I can imagine your rant. Um, yes, I was ranting about the bag a few different times. And thank you to Denise who wondered where I was on the Jimmy Byer block of the month on Craftsy. Eh, not really anywhere. But she says she came across Sharon Schamber's, Schamber's applique foundation, a paper you glue to your fabric, turn the edges, and then glue to the background. It washes into a fat, soft fabric so you leave the paper in. 
Um, she had just ordered some, she hadn't used it yet. So Denise, I will really be anxious to hear your review of that. So make sure you tell us what you find once you've used it or if anybody else has used it and wants to let us know. Um, I haven't gotten to the blocks yet that involve the applique, but boy, it sure as heck would be a lot easier if there was something I could just use like that. That sounds like it would be a great solution. Um, so I'd be anxious to hear about it before whenever it is that I get to those blocks. Um, thank you to Amber for your comment. Thank you to Ruth who commented on one of my Thinking About It Thursday posts, actually the one that I just posted this week, where I ended by talking about feeling a little overwhelmed by all the work for the demon already. And she says, you know how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. You will make it so your study is the same way, one step, chapter, etc. at a time. This is something you want to do, which will make it easier. Good luck with the travel and the knees. Thank you, Ruth, um, for that reminder. Yes, I always joke that my way of dealing with that kind of um, overwhelming stress is to organize the heck out of it. <laughs> and so as soon as I felt my stress level rise about the amount of reading, the first thing I did was sat down with all the books, actually timed myself reading a few pages out of a couple of them to estimate how long it would take me to read X number of pages, and then scheduled it out on my task list with dates. So now I really am only looking at it one day at a time. As long as I can get this one day of reading done, then I'm I'm good, you know, and not look at everything I need to get done. Um, and I've done the same thing with writing my papers and stuff. I've kind of scheduled that out. That is one benefit to having the job that I do because that's my job is I have to meet deadlines and I have to produce a certain amount by a certain time. And so I schedule it all out in advance. So I'm doing the same thing with this. Um, but it is just a matter of staying focused on the one day at a time and not thinking about when I have that final paper due and oh my word, that's gonna be a really busy time. So thank you, Ruth. Um, thank you to Penelope who also um, emailed me, who sent me an email about a UFO of her own. I'm not gonna share her story because it is um, a somewhat personal one, but she it was a UFO she really needed to address for emotional reasons. So I really hope Ruth, or Penelope, I'm sorry, that that you have done that and send me an update. I am anxious to hear. Um, and thank you to Carrie who sent me a great email and she talked about Zentangle, um, which is wonderful. I've I've toyed around a little bit with Zentangle. I've never done the, the full out Zentangle stuff, um, but apparently Carrie's really been getting into it. So uh, I, again, I wanna hear more. She sent me a couple of pictures of some stuff she's done. I will wanna see pictures of the Zentangling. So Carrie, get on that, would you? <laughs> And thank you again to Ruth who sent me some advice about using rhubarb, or at least storing rhubarb. So that's it for comments. Um, and that put me a little over an hour, but that's what I get for waiting a month to, <laughs> to post an episode. Um, I'm gonna have to figure this out somehow, if indeed I am going to a monthly uh, post. Anyway, but then I'll be, I'll be talking to you a lot less, so you'll probably talk back to me a lot less, so maybe I won't have as many comments, which would be a sad thing, but I would understand it because, you know, there's some mutuality involved here. <laughs> if I don't talk to you, then I guess you really don't have to talk to me either. Um, but hopefully we will keep talking to each other. So I know I won't, I at least won't be posting a podcast for the next couple of weeks. I will probably pull out another one in July um, at some point, and then I will probably pull one out towards the end of August, um, after I get back, I'll probably want to talk a little bit about my first residency experience. Although at that point, I will be so buried in writing the papers <laughs> that I have to do after I get back that, who knows, can't predict it at this point. Um, but here's the beauty about being at year five plus in this podcast is 
I know you guys know me and love me. <laughs> and I know you'll be patient with me and, and, and understanding and all of that good stuff. So I appreciate that very much. Um, and I do look forward to hearing from you and seeing your pictures. So if you're not already on Twitter or Flickr, you should get on Twitter and Flickr um, so you can be part of the community. We've had a few fo new folks lately be tweeting a part of our circle, which has always been fun. Um, and if not, email me, you know, I'm always game and I do always read my email, no matter how busy I am. I always read my email. So thank you for that. So I guess that's it for this episode. All of that being said, Here's how you can get a hold of me when you do decide to talk to me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a y, quilts with a z. You can follow my blog for as much as that'll be worth <laughs> for the next few weeks. You can follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and Goodreads and all of those and Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a y, quilts with a z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook and join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Um, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and you will find links for all of those wonderful things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. So until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Mm -hmm.